Hello, animation fans, and welcome to another iAnimate podcast. I'm your host, Larry Vasquez, and you're listening to episode 98. In this episode, we have Marco Foglia joining us. Marco is one of our creature instructors here at iAnimate, and has been in the VFX industry for, I think, two decades. Uh, it was a really neat opportunity to talk with Marco in regards to his career path, how he got into VFX, his time in VFX, um, and now working in video games as well. So check it out. Well, let's get into it. Um, first off, I always really just appreciate uh, you guys taking time to, to join us in this podcast. As you kind of mentioned beforehand, it's been a little bit trying to get us together. Um, yeah. So I know with schedules and life and everything else, it's always a treat. So thank you so much for joining us in this podcast. Thanks for having me. Awesome, man. And it's been a, too long, too long. Um, you've been <laughs> one of our instructors for quite a bit and uh, in our creatures classes. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's about time. So I appreciate it again. Um, so I love hearing how people get into this field, you know, um, throughout my, this is going to be probably our 98th podcast. So we're coming up oh, on our wow. 100th podcast. Yeah. That's and uh, it's, it's always neat to hear how people have kind of come in. Um, just curious, how, how did you get into animation? Um, I feel like it's also what I might have put in my, my I animate kind of bio, but I was a teenager. I think I was a young teenager and I saw Jurassic Park. And I'm not the only one that's probably gone down the path, but <laughs> yeah. at the time I was really loving video games. Okay. Um, and I did really cheap. There was a thing called, um, it was an Autodesk product, but it was like for old computers, like before, uh, uh, I can't even remember right now, but I'm talking about like 1995. Okay. And it was called Autodesk Animator. And it's just like, you could draw frames and it had very limited stuff. Interesting. So, so I saw this movie and then there was just some snippet somewhere about how it was made. I'm like, I want to do that. <laughs> I thought it combined like video games and animation. Like I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Um, that was literally it. And then, and I was, and so again, this is like 19, mid nineties. And there was nothing in Montreal. I come from Montreal, uh, Quebec, Canada. Okay. Um, there was no industry there. There was no real knowledge. The internet wasn't really a thing that was big yet. So I had no idea how to do it. Uh-huh. So I was in high school and I asked my guidance counselor and they had no idea how to do it. So they sent me down the completely wrong path. Gotcha. They told me I needed physics and, and chemistry. <laughs> I swear. There was no knowledge, right? Um, <laughs> and so I, I, and I, I knew what I wanted to do. Like I was sure of it. So I started studying because I hated math uh-huh. and, <laughs> and I got the marks I needed so I could kind of get into the next step for us is a thing called CJEP, which is like college. Okay. Um, so I could go into pure and applied sciences and I could, I didn't know if I was going to go into programming or where that would lead. I had no idea. <laughs> um, and I went into it and I hated it. I hate, I, I just, I just don't like math. Uh-huh. Math is great. Um, <laughs> For certain people, I, right? <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Um, and I found this, once I was there, um, I'd also at the same time, I had this old Nintendo Power magazine. Okay. That I used to get. Awesome. And they talked about a school in Vancouver that I'm not sure if it's around anymore but it's called DigiPen and it was just for game development. I've heard of it. Yeah. 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 I don't know if it's around anymore, but it's, it was yeah, yeah. back then. Right. So um, I, I was in CJEP and I wasn't liking what I was doing. I hated it. And this, I, I couldn't move to Vancouver. And then I just, you know, I, I was asking around and I asked anybody I could. And I went to all these little, like little social clubs and stuff. And I found out about a school not too far from where I was that was like a trade school. That's where I finally, that's, this is my big, Kind of in uh, sideways, sideways journey to get into animation. Okay, it was called a trade school. They give you an eight month intensive, uh, where they taught you just the software. Um, and what software is that at the time? At the time, it was Maya was just coming out when I started school, so it's called so it's, uh, Power Animator from uh, 
Okay. A company called the Alias Wavefront. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which that's they huge. got bought over by Autodesk. Right. And it was Soft Image because uh, that was a Montreal company, 3.9, yeah. 3.7, I think it was called. That was it. And so that's what they had at the school. And they didn't do much. They didn't teach you animation. They just taught you the software. Uh-huh. But I didn't care. Like I, I lived there <laughs> uh, for those eight months. And I made some good friends. They're still my friends today. That's so cool. Like 20 plus years later. That's amazing. Because um, we lived together there, right? We were there uh-huh. all night. We were there all day. Um, that was it. And then after that, that kind of eight month thing, I basically had a high school diploma and this kind of crappy, to be honest, uh, education. Um, and I started trying to get jobs. The only company at the time was uh, Ubisoft here. Okay. They're, and they're still the biggest company in Montreal. They've right. Tremendously. Right. But at the time there wasn't many, there's like a few hundred employees. Now I think they have like 4,000. <laughs> so crazy. Um, it's so crazy. <laughs> but that was the only place I knew about too. So I applied. Yeah, yeah. I got an interview. I failed the interview. <laughs> terribly. Uh, I, I, I should say I was like a 19 year old kid, 18 year old kid at the time. And I had not been exposed to anything. I lived out in the streets. Like I would play in the parks and I wasn't very like savvy. I wasn't very technologically anything. I, I had a completely different kind of life up until animation. Um, so, anyway, so I failed my Ubisoft interview. That didn't go well. Uh-huh. Um, and they said, oh no, you're de- you know, your work's not strong enough. Just kind of work on it and come back in six, seven months. And that was it. I was still living with my parents. I, I stayed home and I worked like crazy. And, and just over that, that it was about a year I stayed home and I just kind of worked on my demo. I just did tests and I, there was only three movies you could watch at the time. It was like yeah. Toy Story and like Bugs Life. Uh-huh. But I just watched those and tried to understand things that I, you know, I had no education, no book, no access to books. Like I, I really, I was in a bit of a, like a, a bubble there. Um, but that was it. I worked That's hard awesome. For now, that wasn't too difficult to get um, both a computer and software at that time? So, so I had inherited a computer from my brother okay. who was uh, 10 years old, nine years older than me. Gotcha. So I was able to get a very crappy version of Softimage, uh-huh. and I was able to kind of get that on the computer. Gotcha. So yeah, that's how it worked. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. And, that's what I figured and, at that time. Yeah. It wasn't easy, but you could still, there was bulletin boards, there was FTP sites that you could yeah, find yeah, out yeah. about. I started getting savvy really quick that year. Like I gotcha. started getting access to the internet and figuring out how to find stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, 3ds Max as well. That was the first thing I really started working on the most. Okay. Because I figured out how to model in there and do everything. School gotcha. hadn't taught me too much. Yeah, because now um, Alias Wavefront and Soft Image. I know uh, that was really more just uh, animation, right? Where was they had Soft Image was definitely more animation. Alias yeah. had everything. Uh huh. But it, it felt like Max was a better package at the time. It was gotcha, part of gotcha. the leader back in those okay. days. Uh, Maya had just just come out in 1999 while I was okay. still in school. Our, our instructor was showing it to us, but we were on at school. We were on these old things called SGIs. They were uh-huh. like supposed to be high end computers that I assume now can't even run a phone. <laughs> at the time, I, I figured they were like amazing. Um, <laughs> That's one of the things that I've, I've kind of been able to reflect on, um, and I'm sure you're probably pretty close to my age how much yeah, I'm 43. okay okay i'm just a bit older than you um 45 um i have to that's sad when you have to think about it oh, um, you look great good job well thank no, you all this white here <laughs> um but how much we've seen in a short amount of time you know what i'm saying it's changed so yeah. a lot has changed so we've got a lot of you know the early internet to FTP sites to um, bit torrents and things like that, that yeah. just kind of, you know, um, early, that's why I asked about the computers. I know at that time um, I, I, my wife had got one, this is probably about 2001 ish. 
and uh, ended up selling it for like nothing. And she's she's all mad because she's like, I paid thousands of dollars for that. I'm like, <laughs> I know, hun. But right now, by that time, it was, you know. It's useless. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, and it wasn't that great of a computer, you know. It was just enough that because she wasn't looking for anything that was special, you know. Um, so, things like that, I go, we've come from now things that a lot works on your phone, you know. Uh, yeah, so. honestly, you can do it from a laptop. <laughs> but back in the day, yeah. And, and I was lucky. My brother ended up, is a, he's now a, a network admin or sysadmin, whatever, right? Uh-huh. He's an IT guy. Uh-huh. But at the time, he he bought a computer. He was like ahead of the game, I think. So that's gotcha. why I had one. It wasn't great. I don't remember how slow it would have been. I honestly don't remember anything. I just remember gotcha. loving every second of it. <laughs> nice. But, um, yeah. Okay, so now you, you've been at home for another year or so, uh, oh. just plugging along here. What did you do from that after that year? So over that year, it's cr- it's cool to just be remembering all this. Nice. Stuff, That's I why I love this here. Like a long time. <laughs> nice. Um, over that year, what happened was the industry started growing because Ubisoft had made their presence in 1998. I think they started, and I I, I don't know what's happening, but just a bunch of little small companies started popping up, and so. I applied to Ubisoft again, but they, they weren't kind of calling me back. And I was hearing about some friends from school had gone out into the world too. And the first one had found a job and another one had found a job and they started kind of, we all kept in touch a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I found out about a small place that was doing a cartoon show. Um, and that was it. I applied there and then there they took me with my new demo. Gotcha. Um, what was it by the way? The the show. Uh-huh. The, 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 it was, it was my, the first thing I ever worked on was a German TV show for kids. Okay. I couldn't, you can find it on the internet. It's not the one with the cats, right? No, it's called junior wraparound. Okay. It's called, it's, it was, um, do you know what Rayman is, you know, from Ubisoft? Yeah. 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 Uh It's like a character with the floating hands. Uh huh. It was like basically a ripoff of that design. Gotcha. And it was these little short kind of vignettes, these little like short little jokes that would air. They were called ETV in Germany and they were like a Disney channel. Okay. And in between their TV shows, they had these little kind of clips Nice. These characters having little whatever moments or whatever. Um, and that was it. And we had like a, a German translators and we were, and we were just a bunch of kids. We had no idea what we were doing, um, but I didn't care. It was like yeah. the first job and I loved it. That's we had awesome. a great director that's still around nowadays. Um, he just taught us everything. He basically, that was the first big jump I had in animation. Very nice. Now, did you, was that back in Montreal or still in Vancouver? Oh, no, sorry. All Montreal. My whole career has mostly been in Montreal. I, I, okay. I didn't mean gotcha. to uh, confuse that. Yeah. The school was just in Vancouver then? No, no, no. The school was in Montreal. I, oh, I, that I was in there too. Okay. The Vancouver was the one you couldn't do. Yeah. Like I, okay. I, I, yes, I had yes, all yes. these options and I know what to do. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then luckily I heard about the one here. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I won't say the name of the school in Montreal because it's still around and it's not great. Okay. So gotcha. Not, gotcha. Not, yeah. <laughs> um, Can't say something nice. Don't say anything at all. Yeah. <laughs> I prefer that way. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that was it yeah Did very first nice job. and then it just i don't know uh, the industry just was growing it grew really quickly from like 2000 to 2005 mm. there were yeah like five companies and then all of a sudden there was 500 uh, not 500 but like 100 companies for sure now um, why do you think um just out of curiosity montreal has been uh, um known for its <clears throat> excuse me its growth um mm. It would seem like, and maybe this is where you can kind of correct me, a large part of it has been in regards to the government kind of coming in and helping us up cities and things of that nature. Was that happening you, yeah. early on as well? Yeah, Ubisoft had gotten subsidies immediately. That's why they opened there. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so as early as 2000-ish. Yeah, or 98, 99. Gotcha. Somebody with foresight in the government's like, oh, let's just pay these people to come here. 
and they were right. Like their plan with Ubisoft was to kind of, there was a whole neighborhood that was a little bit kind of dilapidated. It had been kind of like, and it, it, it boomed because of Ubisoft. So that their plan was, was correct. Gotcha. That, that it brought a whole neighborhood back to life and business and everything. Yeah. Um, and I guess that caught on. So they were giving more and more subsidies and it was a lot of local companies. Ubisoft was a foreign one. They were from uh-huh. like Europe. But a lot of local companies opened up and some of them qualified for subsidies. And I think that's mostly what the boom was. Gotcha. Yeah, I didn't know it was that early. Yeah, it was kind of funny. Back in 2000, I want to say maybe 16, 17. No, maybe it was, yeah, somewhere around there. Um, mm-hmm. I went and visited Jason Ryan there in uh, Montreal yeah. and uh, yeah. Cinecite and stuff. And we're just walking around and all of a sudden I'm like, hey, there's Rodeo FX, you know? And and so just all these studios that are just kind of hanging out right there. Most now. of my career was in that neighborhood. It was, it. It was all Montreal. Uh-huh. Cinecite's a little bit off and uh-huh. Rodeo NPC's there. Framestore's a little bit further out. That's okay. closer to Ubisoft. But- uh-huh. Most of my career was in Old Montreal. My first yeah. job was there. Just That's funny. From there. Yeah. Very they cool. They just kept opening. And, <laughs> and the truth of our industry is it's pretty volatile. Like it's not easy to make a successful business. So a lot of them opened and closed and opened and closed. Mm-hmm. Like I looked back at my resume and I think there's only three companies that are still operating that I worked for. And I've worked for like 30 by now, maybe. Gotcha, gotcha. There's a lot of contract work, especially the first 10 years of my career. Gotcha. Six months and then they lay you off. Uh, three months and then they lay you off. So it's kind of the nature of the work at the time. What during, okay, let me ask you this then. With that type of um, schedule, so to speak, um, yeah. what were some of the things that you were learning and growing in as an animator? I feel looking back, the, the amount of variety of people that I worked with, I feel is what helped me a lot because I saw different ways of working. Gotcha. Different different ways of thinking so somebody came from a 2d background and they had all sorts of insight into how to improve my animation some Mm -hmm. person came from mostly 3d or one other person came from games and another job i worked at a lot of different things commercials games literally they did everything by now i think Uh um and i found that that was so from a technical standpoint also different ways to work pipelines different ideas to have in your head and then artistically too just like different people that had different exposure to things and I absorbed as much as I could. Gotcha. Gotcha. Time, yeah. It was yeah, a big I think, benefit I found. Nice. Yeah. I, th- I think yeah. I shared this on my last podcast. Um, I'm working on a show right now. Really, really fun. Um, but quota is pretty quick, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but one of the things I'm actually enjoying about that is it's making me have to be very conscious in my decision-making up front to try to be very specific because, and so I, you, there's things that you learn in that, you know? Yeah. And so that's why I asked that question here, because I know, as you said, there's a variety of things that you can learn as that schedule is what it is. Uh, oh, and, and that's the thing too, I should say, speaking directly of TV shows, I feel a TV series, even today with the quotas are pretty still high. Mm-hmm. We were doing 25 seconds a week. Gotcha. And that's still an average. It's not like it's dropped much. Mm-hmm. Some shows... I recently, with my with my current employer, we did a show that was like a minute a week, gotcha. minute and a half, like last year. So, uh-huh. um, and, and I feel like you learn how to tell a story very efficiently. Right. They might not be the best ideas, uh-huh. but they're they're solid. They're clear. Mm-hmm. And I, I almost suggest like the first show you should ever try to work on is some kind of cartoon show or yeah. fast paced show. It really it does help you on that yeah yeah for clarity anyway yeah one of those many checklists we try to check off as we work yeah nice um oh sorry i had had another question in my head okay so how early did you get into things like vfx i noticed a lot of your stuff obviously as i mentioned that you've been teaching in our creature okay so mostly vfx type stuff 
Yeah, in Montreal, there was so it wasn't. We're known as a video game company, a video game city. There's a lot of big studios here, mm-hmm, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of VFX studios too, especially right. Star Wars. Um, it was probably my third. I, I did TV shows, animated shows, for the first few years. There was a studio here, which is a notorious studio now. Was called Meteor Studios. Okay. And there's a guy called VFX. The guy, uh, his name is Dave Rand. I don't know him personally, uh-huh. but he's he's a he's an advocate for unionizing animators and stuff like this. Uh-huh. He was there after my time, but he was there because that studio closed down and didn't pay a lot of people. Gotcha. Um, I, I I was spared that because I just got laid off at Christmas the year before. Okay, <laughs> like they, dumped, they dumped a bunch of us before that, right? But um, so that was the first place I started working on a bigger VFX shows. I'd done some smaller VFX with like a very small company here. Uh-huh. Um, but that was the first one where I started doing, it was discovery shows like a alien, a dinosaur planet and those things back in the day that were around. Uh-huh. Uh, we did, what was those shows? There was a movie called final destination. Okay. I did a little bit of that. I did one of those. There was a, like a roller coaster sequence we did. Nice. Um, an old Scooby-Doo movie. With okay. On that. Like, <laughs> I don't have any of that stuff on my demo. I was going to say, because, uh, yeah, as if you look at your your stuff on iAnimate, you've worked on Transformers, Transformers 3, Rango. That was later. Which Rango, is awesome. Yeah, um, Iron Man 2, Pan, uh, The Last Airbender. So, yeah, you've worked on a lot of cool stuff. I think on your uh, real Riddick's on there. Um, Riddick so yeah, a lot well of here. Yeah. What's that? Riddick was here as well. Gotcha, gotcha. So when did you start getting into some of these kind of movies like Transformers and uh, Rango? Oh, that was about eight, nine years in. Okay. Um, I was working remotely for Bungie through with a friend of mine. Okay. He had he had gotten some contract from Bungie to, to do cinematics for one of their games. Gotcha, gotcha. And then he went, I don't think, he's never been an instructor here. His name is Emil. But um, he went to ILM and then they needed people. And they would have never hired the, the group of people he suggested. I was one of them. Uh-huh. They would have never hired us because we had no high-end film experience. We had no, we weren't in, we weren't in California. We were like Canadians. Uh-huh. But he suggested us, and they they took a chance on us. Or our demos were good enough at the time, I think. Uh-huh. And that was it. Like I just got in through word of like I I got an interview because of that. I got really lucky to be honest. Nice, nice. Um, and then I went to ILM, and that was my dream job. That was the reason. I had started everything. I'd gotcha. kind of yeah. been sidetracked. But then <laughs> when I got the job there, I, I I didn't think I would ever leave. I did <laughs> for life reasons, but the place was amazing. Like I loved it there. Gotcha. Um, so you moved we, out to California at we that went time? To San Francisco, yeah. Gotcha, and gotcha. Actually, another Montrealer and I, we ended up being roommates there too, just to kind of get it all worked out. Uh-huh. Uh, we went for a first contract for Transformers and then took a little break uh, two months in the summer. And then we went back for another year and a half for those other projects. Gotcha. And I would have totally stayed, but at the time I was trying to make, I was at a crossroads between my now wife, uh-huh. we, we, we were dating and she couldn't move with me and I didn't know what to do. So I, I chose life over work. That's, that's long-term uh, more beneficial for sure. Oh, I did not regret yeah. it. I, not, I would have loved to still keep working there, but I didn't regret it now. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> On your deathbed, you will not be, be uh... <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, no, that's yeah, great. As soon as you said life reasons, that's what I figured. <laughs> yeah. And then, and it came back to Montreal. And by then, VFX was booming up here. NPC had opened. Uh, Framestore was opening up. I ended up going to NPC after that. Okay. Uh, well, there's a small company first where I worked on Riddick. Okay. And then after that, I went to NPC. And I stayed there for about four, that five years, I think. Four years. That's where I did the rest of those kind of things on my... Gotcha. Now, um, on your demo reel with Riddick, it was a lot of that oh. dog work. Yeah, um, I did mostly the puppy. Amazing, amazing work. Oh, cool. Um, what 
has drawn you towards creature type stuff? So I don't know because I, I like human animation a lot, but I'm uh-huh. not as experienced. I have 22 years experience <laughs> and I do not feel confident with performance okay. like other people because I'm not in it. I'm not in it every day. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of things to think about that I just don't have at the top of my head. But Creature is just, it's from the earliest bits of VFX I did, it was always spiders and monsters and slimy stuff. And I started to really like the amount of detail that you could put into uh, VFX stuff. And okay. it, wasn't, it wasn't asked for in more cartoony stuff. Gotcha. And then, then it just so happened that most of the work you, I got was Creature stuff. It was quadrupeds or just weird monsters and stuff. But it was that detail. It was like nailing that timing and the little, I don't know what it was about it, but. That made it believable. That made it feel like more, that it, was like, this is legit here, huh? Like, I, I feel it's more the realism that I that attracted me more than the quadrupeds themselves or the creatures. Gotcha. It just happens to be mostly creature work. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha, but, yeah. gotcha. Now, is that because a lot of it also is up there in um, Canada in regards to either video games or VFX? Sorry, how do you mean? What do you mean? Well, um, you said you worked on a lot of the VFX type stuff. And so up there oh. in Montreal, it's, it seems like, and I know, like I mentioned earlier, Cinecite, and there's other companies up there that do. Um, yeah, there's a good amount now. Yeah, L'Atelier, yeah. things like that, that do uh, more uh, performance in regards to um, film type yeah. deal. But there's a lot of VFX up there or there video are, games. Yeah. So is that Most- why you've kind of as well gravitated towards a lot of work that way? As well, yeah. Or it, And I just never made the move. There was... I would always have a choice, I suppose. I never choice for a long time, right? You just got the job you could. Uh-huh. But when I started having a choice, I could have moved to a cartoon, a more feature place or VFX, but I just kept staying in, in VFX. Um, I never considered if I was even going to be accepted at a, at a, at a feature place because I didn't have a demo for it, right? Gotcha. So a lot of my stuff was action or monsters or things screaming at the camera. I'm like, that's pretty much all I've done. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, but... Any favorite projects as you kind of look at this? You, I know you heard, I heard you say something about Rango. Um, was that one of your favorites as you look at your kind of career here? Yeah, Rango was uh, Rango was probably my first. It was nine years into my career. Okay, it was probably like the best thing I'd ever. I just I loved the team. I loved the vibe. Everything about working in that movie, and especially now I was working at my dream job. Gotcha. So everything for me was amazing on Rango, but really the team at at that place. Uh, most of them are probably still there. They're just excellent people. They were just really welcoming and really helpful. Gotcha. And the director was Gord Verbinski, and he was just, he knew what he wanted. And it was just like so enlightening on so many levels for me. My supervisor, I loved everything about Rango. And the project was super cool, but I didn't appreciate that as much at the time. Gotcha. I was so star 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 and everything else, you know? It does seem, though, that um, I think earlier on in people's careers, it's the idea of working on a particular show but the more I've talked with people and the more I've kind of worked in it, it's definitely, um, that's a neat plus, but it obviously, as you kind of mentioned here, it's the people you work with. Like a thousand percent for yeah. me so far. Those have been my most memorable kind of projects. Um, we did another one at NPC. I supervised a show, a movie that nobody saw called Monster Calls. It's just a beautiful book and it's a beautiful little story, but it makes you cry. Gotcha. Um, it's about a kid whose mother's dying and like a monster comes to visit him to kind of get him through it. It's like an imaginary monster. Uh-huh. Is it? You never know. Um, but that was another experience that we just, everybody had fun on the project. Everybody just loved the emotion behind it. Gotcha. It was great. It was great. Great director. Great everything. Nice. Um, I've had maybe two. That was the two major projects in my, in my career that I really, really loved. Gotcha. And I've just, 
enjoyed everything else. I okay. haven't hated anything. Gotcha. <laughs> I haven't had, oh, well, I, I take it back. I had some experiences I hated later in my career, but not many. Gotcha. Now, what about Transformers? Um, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I say that would seem like a fun one, too. I, I you know, growing up um, of the 80s, loving, loving Transformers. And I love Transformers. Yeah. <laughs> so is that a pretty cool project we have been working on? But I'm not, like, I'm a video game nerd. I'm not a okay. pro property or film nerd. My okay. friends are. So I didn't just, it was all, yeah, it's cool, man. Gotcha. I, I, I nerd out on, or I love the, the work. So what I loved most about Transformers was not the property, not that I was working on this cool movie. I loved that there were scenes I could do where I could animate all these little bits on them. Okay. And all these little knobs and little joints and all the articulation, I could figure all that out. Uh -huh. That's what I tripped on. Like I gotcha. the mechanics of the movement and stuff. Like I, I, I very much love that, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, I could do machines all day. I I never, I've never had that opportunity. But if I, and people would think that's boring, but I would really have fun just doing mechanical stuff all day. That's cool. Now, yeah. um, okay, who did I have on? Was it Matthew uh, Demuro? I think oh, I had a friend of mine. Okay, my first job. Very cool. Okay, yeah. that's awesome. I had him on a podcast. I think it was shortly after Lego Movie, mm. and uh, but I knew he worked on this. So you worked with him on Transformers. He or, worked, no, he worked or, on the third and fourth one. Okay. I worked on one, two, and three. Okay. Oh, I worked on two and three, sorry. Gotcha. So now one of the things that he didn't tell us was, um, <laughs> maybe because it was close <laughs> to the fourth one, is he didn't give away a, too much in regards to how the rigs worked. He said oh. there He said there was some, uh, what he, I forget exactly what he said, but it was kind of like, oh, there's some secrets in there, you know? He didn't want to give too much away. I think, like I said, I think because the fourth one was coming out. Um, but it sounds like there was a lot that you still got to work with on the rig, as you're mentioning here, got to tinker a lot of the little stuff there. Oh, yeah. They had a, I guess I'm allowed to talk about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, this um, was right around the fourth one being released. So it's a while um, ago. They're, they're, the rigs were a little heavy. So that's one thing I will say. There's places that had better tech at the time and still do. Mm -hmm. Like it's in lighter rigs and fun, you know, easier to work with. But they had this awesome system where you could, they would model them very logically. So you could literally pose them and almost get to the car or whatever vehicle they had to be. Uh -huh. And there was like a tech side that would then finish up that. I never had to do a, a complex transformation, but that's how that worked. Okay. But all the pieces on them, you, you had a tool that you could break them off and give them any pivots you want. And you could break them into little pieces if you felt it was cooler. Uh -huh. Like, and that kind of freedom was was bonkers. But under the hood, the people <laughs> people do not appreciate it because there's a lot of lighting and shadows. But they had everything modeled under there. There were That's pipes and unreal. They really did like there was so much detail in those characters, and you could literally just break off any piece and move them if you wanted to, if it called for it. Uh -huh. um, yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, you said something there that I wanted to touch upon. Um, so now what was the first project that you, so Rango was the first project you worked on over at ILM? No, the first project I worked on was Transformers 2. Okay. It was a four, it was a short contract. We got, we got called in at the end to help them finish it up. They were a little behind. Okay. Um, and then I went back, I was supposed to be on Rango right away uh -huh. for the whole year and a half, but then they needed me on Iron Man 2 instead. So I worked on that for a few months. And I never, I, I, I got credit for that film, but all my shots got cut. Okay. Like, there was this whole battle scene in the middle where they were fighting. Um, Iron Man was fighting his friend Rhodes, like in the, in the silver suit. Uh -huh. And uh, they cut that really short. So all the stuff I did was gone. Gotcha. Um, all that left, in, all that stayed in the movie that nobody touched but me 
was this like four frame shot or six frame shot of him like flying through a window. <laughs> I'd done the takeoff. I'd done the flying part, but they cut all that out. Gotcha. Um, but you get credit for it. I got credit yeah, for it. Yeah, you worked on Iron Man too. <laughs> it, was, it was a few months. It was a lot of iteration. It was a lot of fun. And then I did Airbender and then I did Rango. Rango was the last thing I did. Okay. And I was supposed to return for another Transformers, I think it was, but I just, I, I just, I said, no, like I gotcha. Yeah. You'd worked on the Transformers. You'd got cool movie Rango under your belt. I then... ended up, because there was a few ex-ILM uh, animators in Montreal for Transformers 3 or 4, I worked on another one after, but outside of ILM. Gotcha. They farmed work out to us, um, and I worked from it from here, like from home. Now, well, one of the things... One of the things I love hearing uh, that you're kind of talking about too, maybe you can kind of elaborate on there, is a lot of it seems like a, the networking. Because, um, you know, with your projects jumping on and off and things of that nature, how does that work? for you something i i never excelled at was like uh, schmoozing people okay <laughs> but, uh, but like it just happened naturally like we were a small it's grown now but it was a small community in montreal especially in the like 99 2000 2003 mm -hmm. 4 you saw the same people at every job you all got laid off and 60 percent of you found the job in the next studio together um and that's why you, you kind of form friendships with a good like i don't know how many we were we're about two dozen people, I think. Gotcha. I work for one of them now, like Dave Hubert too, who runs a gore. Yep. Like I've yep. known him for many, many years. Um, so yeah, like it, it was mostly that. It was just a circumstance, and I I, I would say luck. Um, gotcha. Because I'm I'm very terrible to be in person. Nobody likes me, but uh, that's not true. They all <laughs> I know. I can tell uh, <laughs> from the podcast. This has been pretty cool. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, yeah, and that was it. It was just that kind of we just happened to be there, happened to be working together. All became kind of friends and that was it and then you, you cross paths again or you see each other again or somebody hears about a job and you still have to apply like i've never had a job without an interview gotcha but um even now i probably would never even feel comfortable doing that like, okay. i want to make sure i'm the right fit i want to make sure you know um everything so, gotcha yeah yeah one of the parts that, yeah. yeah one of the things that's kind of cool too because you said you know now working with uh david hubert um yeah. my, my brother has worked on a project um with super seed um with jason mm. shum um but what yeah. was kind of cool was that uh one of our former graduates who came after my brother um was martin smith who became his lead on that project so it was just kind of neat to see how working together and sometimes underneath and it's just that's how you know how it kind yeah. of works and so uh no egos and uh, no egos for sure uh, that was the thing about this group of people nobody there was no competition really it was all we were all helping each other trying to get better and sharing honest criticism like it really helped right it, it tempered me too because I, i've worked with people that were very difficult and very hard to work with like they were nowadays i guess we'd call them toxic okay <laughs> there was no word there wasn't the word back then right uh -huh, uh -huh. um and so uh, yeah it taught me a lot about how to just take criticism openly and honestly and i just helped me out a lot that really helped me out a lot how does that um because i mentioned before that you you know you're teaching here at i animate how has that helped you in regards to how you teach um the you mean just the criticism yeah the, the ability to communicate that kind of stuff to be able to you know receive feedback to be able to give feedback things like that um i I, I think it just made that part of it easy. Like I'm not shy to, and I try to treat, especially when we do the the quad courses, I, I treat it like we're a team and this is a prod. And so if I had to supervise it, this is what I would call. I wouldn't sugarcoat it. I wouldn't, you know, this is just a matter of fact what we need to do. Uh -huh. um, so it helped me in that respect. Like I was just already very fluent and, and used to just speaking my mind and having my people's minds spoken to me gotcha. uh, and accepting and just like not taking it personally. That's super important. And I feel like I, I try to do that with the students too, or the, you know, everybody in the workshop, I try to just 
we're in this together and <laughs> I'm not necessarily better than you. I know I might have more experience and ideas than you, but for me, the value of a supervisor is perspective. You have perspective. You're not in there the weeds. I didn't see it for two days and now I see it. I could call everything pretty quickly. Gotcha, gotcha. I, that's the biggest value, especially when you get to more senior people. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, if you're brand new and you need a lot of help, yeah, you need more kind of hand, not hand holding. I don't want to say it in a bad way, but yeah, you need more more help. You know, you need more yeah. kind of instruction. But so yeah, that was it. Just this open dialogue with my friends just helped me. One of the things I love about that too, though, and it's, I don't know if it was intentional or just the organicness of how we started iAnimate. Um, hmm. it's really kind of helped students like that to be prepped for the studios Yeah, when you run it like that, you know, I agree with that. Um, yeah. so yeah, the way I'm hearing you, it's, I go, it just seems like that's just how we've run it from the get go, but it's that very same thing right there. They're able to start learning how to receive criticism, t- give input. Hey, what were you thinking on this shot here? Well, I was thinking, you know, okay, great. Now let's kind of work with this here. And it's exactly. very much a studio type atmosphere. It is. And most studios, I would say there are those few people that don't really know how to communicate with humans, but most people just, they know how to, it's not a mean thing. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. Right, I'm not trying right. to hurt your work. I just, I think this could be a little stronger. I think this could be a little different. What do you think? Yeah. Like opening that dialogue up is, is definitely part of the creative process. I think it's, it's good for everybody. Very cool. Um, now you've been teaching here at iAnimate for five years. Okay. Five years. Um, yeah. Is it always been in the same workshop? Creature workshop? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What have you noticed in those five years, maybe difference uh, in regards to students coming in or their, their, their work? Um, is there anything that you've noticed? Um, a f- more, it used to be, actually, I feel like on average, I feel like the skill has grown. Okay. Regardless of, because there's always been a mix of kind of more experienced people and more uh, junior inexperienced people taking the workshop. Uh-huh. But overall, I found like some of the results coming out of some of these people, like, I'm like, I don't even deserve any of it. Like, you guys are amazing. <laughs> like, why do you, you know, like, I, I feel like I'm not, I'm not um, doing enough for you because <laughs> like, your skill is already really great. Like they, and, and I think that's what I've seen overall. I'm not sure gotcha. because there's more resources out there or there's more opportunity, whatever it is that's allowing people to just practice more or work on it more but the general skill level of everybody has just gone up over the last five years. Gotcha. Now, have you noticed that as well though, the need for that because of the skill set in what we're expecting in VFX and even television VFX, because that's grown. Are, are you Possibly. noticing that level that's happened to be at that as well? Possibly. Yeah. But some of the people that have great skill work in like a previous company or they don't, they don't even do VFX. They do just cartoon game and game animation. That's purely cartoony. Um, I, I don't know what it is. I, I feel it's probably just more, I hope it's more opportunity. People are gotcha. just able to work. Yeah, Cause if you look at, you know, if I'm not sure how you feel about this, but, um, I see somebody that's got five years experience and they way surpassed where I was at five years. Gotcha. Yeah. So by the time they get to 20, they're going to just blow me out of the water. So I have to give them bad notes and keep them down. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> that's my strategy. Yeah. But, um, so I, I don't know where it comes from, but I figured it's that more opportunity, more kind of freely available material that helps supplement that stuff. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I was just wondering also if just the need for that, you know, which is why we have our workshops, because there's also a higher level of need in regards to VFX and things of that nature as well. So I'm glad there's we got guys yeah. like you who are teaching this. So, yeah. I pretty, yeah, <laughs> but there's definitely like, like I can only speak to Montreal, but the kids get thrown. I call them kids, but they're not, they're in their twenties. Right. Yeah. Um, they get thrown into the deep end in a lot of VFX companies. Now there's just a lot of demand, a lot of 
you have to really be performing very quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's, I don't find that fair. I find that kind of just a terrible position to put somebody in. Gotcha. Because some people will tread water and some people will sink. And I just don't feel like it's fair for either of them, right? Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, you're right. There's more demand. There's more need to be able to be proficient right away. Yeah. Um, but yeah. What have you in your time in VFX? Um, I did remember my question, by the way, uh, oh, but oh, this cool. is not it. Um, what have you enjoyed in your time in VFX in these years in the industry, as well as what have you seen that you wish could change? So I did, I have animated and supervised uh-huh. on both. As an animator, I just love the, like I said, the, the quality, I call it quality, but the detail and the amount of, of stuff that you can try to hit. You you used to have, used to have more budget, more time to do stuff okay. compared to other stuff. Nowadays, I think it's pretty fast paced anyway. Um, but I love the higher quality, quote unquote, that I could hit. And as a supervisor, I just loved, um, it's the same thing, just solving the problems for the filmmakers. Okay. That's why I, that's why I consider it. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. You just fill in the gaps of what they hadn't thought about and you try to just give them what they're asking for, but they don't realize how many problems you have to solve to get there. Yeah. I love but it. That's kind of, that's fun. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, what I don't like is the exact flip side of exactly what I just said, which is that sometimes I feel like people don't, the onus should be on them to be a little bit more prepared. I'm going to say this. I'll say it. Uh, I'm talking about movie makers, filmmakers. Right, right, right. They should be a little bit more prepared on their end, a little bit more of a, a thought out idea of what they hope for. And and then within that, there should be discovery. But what happens often is we don't have time. I kind of want this. I need to get this. To, you need to get this done now. Why is it yeah. going to look good? There's a lot, not enough of like, you need to bring a bit more to it. Direction in regards to the vision. Direction, of yep. maybe pre-planning. And I've seen it grow and I've seen it improve and I see the trend. I feel like the business is so hard right now. I'm, I'm, I know mostly VFX, so I can't speak to the other right, right, right. kind of stuff, but the business is so tough right now that I see them trying to prepare better and have more kind of anim research done before they even send stuff out or have some artist that's a key artist in-house doing some stuff, whatever you know the trends have been. Uh-huh. So I, I see it going in a positive direction, but nice. I feel a lot of the issues have been creatively a director comes from live action. They don't really know animation. And so they have a general idea and then they would, they're used to just filming something on the day and the best you get, that's what you get. Right. Uh-huh. But with this, because it's so iterative, they just want you to discover that for them. <laughs> yeah. There's enough people, at least in my career that were like that. I know. No, yeah. I get you. And I find it's, it's not just that it's inefficient. It's just painful. Yeah. For, for people. <laughs> no, that is, that's fantastic. I love that. It is inefficient, but it's also painful for the artist. It's painful. You know, and like, if you do a little bit more, then we could all have fun and enjoy this and it'd be even better. Yeah. But instead you're starting from like your knees are already cut off and you don't really ever, I find that's, that's one of the things that was disappointing on some projects for me. But that would also seem to kind of go back to again, why things can be over budget, why you could not have be able to spend as much time in these things because the planning wasn't quite done up front and you're reiterating and reiterating and I reiterating. So. Yeah. Yeah. And or there's a thing called post viz, which is where they will film a lot of the footage and then they'll put the CG character in there. Uh-huh. That's an attempt to figure out the staging and everything before you ever send it to a VFX studio. That was the first thing that started getting popular like ten years ago, uh-huh. or whenever Avatar came out. Like that was the first one that basically post viz or pre viz the whole movie. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but even those were just because it's been a learning process. I think for studios and filmmakers, that has not been an efficient thing either. Okay, it's been like. 
they'll like film, they'll make a previs and then they won't film the plates remotely. The plates are, I'm not sure who's watching this, but plates are the live action footage, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I appreciate the explanation because well, some I people are coming know, from, but just in yeah, case, yeah, that's appreciate that. So they'll make a previs and like, this is what the camera should look like. And this is what the character should be doing. But then they'll go off and film something that doesn't look anything like it. <laughs> so there's that gap you have to then rediscover. Um, and it got better. Like all these things have gotten better in the last 10 years, but through the course of this, there's been those things, or they'll do a post viz, which is I filmed everything. And now I'm going to pay a company to very quickly put a character in there, but I didn't respect spatial problems or anything. So I know what I like and I know what I want, but you can't really do any of this if you mm. want to light it and render it and put fur on it. So you still got to figure out a bunch of nonsense, right? Yeah. 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 And it's, I call it nonsense, not because I feel like it's, I like there's a, there's a two types of iteration for me. There's this, which is you didn't plan it super well. And we have to overcome a lot of practical issues just to mm -hmm. get you something cool. Or there's everything is really cool and we could just make it awesome. Right. And I, I'd love that that second half where you're trying to make it better. Um, yeah, we always yeah. used to say, if I'm doing overtime, it's to make it better. It should be just to finish it. <laughs> and I had too many projects where it was just to finish it. Gotcha. You were yeah. really hitting, you know, you felt like you were missing something or it could have been better. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, no, and, and to kind of bring it back to animation specifically, because again, Pardon we've me. got our audience here. I, that's I, such a great point in regards to when one approaches their animation mm. to plan well. A hundred percent. I've gotten so much better as an animator since mm. I started doing that. Uh, so I, yeah. What are some of the resources or methodologies that you incorporate to plan for your shots? So nowadays, I'm very... I'm much more meticulous than I used to be. Okay. But I will spend as much time as I can. And I'll even do like on my own hours. Sometimes if I'm really invested in a shot or something I really want to do, I want to find the best possible reference I can. I don't need everything to be exactly what I want, but I get close enough and I cut clips together from even, so I'm thinking about animals now. I'm thinking about quads, but uh -huh. just anything I would do, I think I, I would probably approach it the same way. I'll cut different animals together. I don't care. But as long as I'm getting kind of the motion, I think I would need. Nice. Uh, and that's why from a performance perspective, that's totally different. But for me, for creatures, mostly that's what I do. Uh -huh. It's that, like, I try to get as much good ref. I try to edit it. I try to even make a little reel if I need, if I have the time in my shot. So I know exactly where I want to put it, translate the little plate around. Like, I'll do a bunch of stuff. Like, I'll go crazy. Gotcha. For me, I find the execution part just goes so much smoother the more I took the time to figure that all out. The second half besides just gathering ref is, is really thinking. That's the part I do mostly on my own time. Like really thinking about the shot, like the context it's in, what are like brainstorm ideas for myself that I would want to talk to my director or whoever it is I'm talking to, you know, whoever I'm reporting yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, Like the ideas I think are what not enough people focus on. The idea of the shot or what could be fun in the shot? Like what's the actual, yeah. Okay. So you have a dog running around a corner and it slips, but you know, if you can't figure it, you get inspired. You find a bunch of different dogs slipping, which one seems the most entertaining or the most interesting way for it to slip. That's what I mean by the ideas. Like yeah. before you find the ref, you try to spend time. And it's for me, it's usually a hybrid. Like it's a bit of both. I'll yeah. find ref and that'll make me think about something else. And then I'll, I'll change my idea and I'll find better ref or I'll, I'll get inspired by something. But yeah, it's those two things though the ideas and then lots of ref planning. I'm big on ref, like I'm yeah. big on ref. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just important to, to kind of re reiterate that in our podcast interview here because I go, I think for students, a big 
hurdle is just, I want to jump into my shot, you know, and forget about that planning up front. I think, and maybe even sometimes experienced animators can kind of forget that what's helped them along the way then once they've kind of got that. Um, I've noticed for me and the show I've been working on here is I, I've been shooting a little bit more reference for the normal. Again, just to use it for part and partial what you're talking about to get that idea. Okay, this is what should be happening here and just get my my main poses in here and then yeah. lose it here and start animating. But it's it's helped me as a kind of a big overall guide um, of what yeah, I want to hit. Don't, and people shouldn't lose. Like I, I bit myself in the butt even two years ago. I had a commercial uh, pitch that we wanted to do and I didn't film ref. And then I was like two days away from the deadline. I'm like, hey, it's just not working. I, I don't know what I did. I don't know why I screwed this up. Uh -huh. I just got some ref and I knocked it out in a day. Give you some clarity, huh? But I, people should know about me, though. I suck at filming ref. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand my body. I, <laughs> I know how to move a mouse and a, and a pen and I know how to look at a screen. So I very much get ref from people that can help me. Like I ask friends or ask uh, other animators or whatever. Nice. Uh, but luckily, that's why I do creatures mostly, probably too, because okay. I can fine ref. There I you go. Ref. My <laughs> friends have laughed at me for how bad my ref is. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's some classic uh, that you never want to see the light of day or have seen the light of day, right? Uh, yeah. Thankfully, it's all under NDA or on some network somewhere. So it's good. So do you just hit YouTube then for Animal Ref or is there any other places? I know Rhino House, we've uh, had some. Rhino House has been a huge one for me. Okay. Um, Recently, though, there's like so many more, though, too. Um, there's Shutterstock, there's Storyblocks. Okay. There's, YouTube is a big one, too. But there's kind of those like um, where you buy the footage. I forgot, you know, like, like uh, Storyblocks and uh, Getty Images. Uh -huh. But they have a lot of ref that you could just kind of capture or download crappy versions of it. But it's gotcha. good enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like low-res versions. Gotcha. Um, those are the main ones. People people underestimate how much stuff exists on DVD. Okay. Um, so, if you, so if you can like, I have a great... So unfortunately, somebody ripped it for me, but I bought a great book on dogs. It's called Dogs in Motion. Uh -huh. And they have some of the stuff I use in my course is all this x-ray footage. Nice. It comes out of a book, like at the DVD that came with a book. Oh, very right? cool. Like you don't just find everything on the internet as much. It's a lot of it's there nowadays, but. Right. Yeah. Don't forget. Some, are still a thing. some hidden gems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. They're like, uh, is it come on Kindle or is that, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actual physical. Oh, that's I right. Find, I, I don't have it here. <laughs> so that's great. Okay. So my question I did forget here is you mentioned beforehand that you're a video, a big video game. Mm. Okay. So why have you not worked as much in video games then? Because, well, recently. So after MPC in 2016, uh -huh. I, I had my son. And okay. Something that happens to people when they start getting older in the industry, I think, at least for me, is I started, not that I don't care about work as much as I care about life. I think I've always had a balance. But I felt like the thing about VFX that people have to know is it's very demanding. It's not the same as other industries. Like it's, uh -huh. you start a project, it's, you said you have six months, you're already four months late. Okay. Like that's just going to be your life. You know what I mean? Um, at least that's how it's been up until the last that I was in it. Which right. Which is what we're hoping that you, as you're talking about earlier, they're getting better at planning, right? So, I tried video games a few times. I had little contracts and games, and I did not like in-game animation. I found it restrictive. By the way, I'm I'm not like that now, but this is how my career was, right? Gotcha, gotcha. Like, I hate this. I hate that it doesn't look the same way, and I just do this little snippet, and it's got a blend, and it looks like crap. I call uh, it, you know, I, I would uh -huh. think, and I tried cinematics, and I'm like, these are just like what I'm doing now, but they just don't look as good. Like this is what was my intent, my mentality. 
but then after I um, at PC, I said I need I need to change. Like I I can't I can't do eighty hours a week like this. And that's not even crazy compared to people that work at Weta that do one hundred and twenty or whatever. God, yeah. Uh, but for me, this was enough, right? Uh-huh. So I want I went to here in Montreal. There's a studio called Eidos Montreal, which is uh-huh. a great studio. And I worked on a, a Tomb Raider game that came out. It was the last one they made. Okay. Is that the one and you worked on with Dave? Exactly. Gotcha. David has been a big part of my life the last few years. Um, gotcha. <laughs> that's also ironically why I heard about Animate. Yeah. And all this stuff, right? Yeah. Well, I knew about it, but why I heard that there was an opportunity there. Right. Um, so that was it. So I did Tomb Raider. And in that process, I started realizing how much cool stuff there was that I didn't realize. And so then I stayed at Eidos. I tried, I, they, they asked me to be an anim director. And I worked on two projects that never got greenlit. So okay. I spent a year developing it. Canned it, spent a year developing it, canned it. And then I was like, okay, I need to change it again. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but it, it started this bug though. And I didn't, I think there was just been this whole world in front of me that I should, I didn't, I ignored for way too long. I ignored for like 15 years okay. of my career. Like I, I now think I love, I love the effects still. Right, right, right. But I'm heavily into, and, and where I work now we're for a studio called Agora, there's a lot of variety. I do everything now. Very I cool. I just finished working on Fortnite. I just finished a bunch of stuff, right? Nice. But um, I, I love gaming now. Like I love, I love the idea of game development a lot. Like we're making a little one on the side with a couple of friends now, and I don't, I, I don't even care about the animation part as much. I'll be honest. Okay. Um, I care about the actual game design and the development of it. Oh, that's awesome. But even the animation stuff is just super cool. The people that pull off good game animation, I feel, are more impressive to me than the rest of us. Yeah, because it's, that- it's so tough, and you're you're really you're so constrained in fighting something, not fighting it, but limited you know, to a degree. And enough, yeah, to be able to pull it off in such a great way with limitations. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. It's not the same. We do films and, and VFX and we just, whatever we, we create gets on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. But they have to get there in such a hard way that it's, it's now, I find it pretty cool. Like, yeah. It's really cool to be honest. That's neat. Uh, no, that's so one of the I, fun parts that, like I mentioned this project I'm working on. Um, the quote is pretty high. I'm shaking a lot. Sorry. No, it's okay. Um, and that's, to be honest with you, that's one of the been the most impressive things that I've appreciated with the artists I'm working on is how they're still getting out such great animation. And that, and so yeah, to your point, you're like, yeah. it's amazing. Cause I go, and I know what the quota was, you know, and you're still, it's, this, you know. And there's an artistry to it too. Game animation yeah. is, is different because it needs to be responsive, but it needs to be clear. So they focus on completely different things than I was taught, you know, antic is not a thing that you could put in half of your animations. Gotcha. You have to, when I click the button, that guy needs to do what I want you to do. Uh-huh. So you find other ways to sell the animation with the, the way it resolves, as opposed to giving it time to read uh-huh. and then finish. Now you can only work on the ending because uh, it has to, you know what I mean? Like all this kind of stuff. And uh, and, and then there's this, the crazy amount of, of animations you have to create. Just have a person walking around <laughs> I'm walking, but I'm tilting. I'm walking, but I'm turning 20 degrees, 40 degrees. Depends on the system. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, they, they they do a lot of a lot of just crazy magic, I guess. That's what gotcha. That's, yeah. no, that's fantastic. Um, one of the things I do want to, uh, I, I love, I did see that you're working for Agora. Dave Hubert has been a part of our program for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's also something in that, <clears throat> excuse me, and just you being an instructor, um, one of the things mm-hmm. I think has made iAnimate unique is our instructors have been, for lack of a better term, handpicked to work with us. It hasn't just been, um, you know, hey, we open it up and if anybody's throwing mm-hmm. their stuff, there's been a lot of the, um, for lack of a better term, personalness 
that have come sure. in for, from our instructors. People have known them, they've worked with them. There's that level of familiarity and trust. And so that's been one of the things I think has been unique in regards to um, iAnimate is, you know, you look at other programs, they've got great instructors, but there's a um, unit, I guess, within our instructors yeah, that have been have come. So yeah, so I think that's been really neat when you mentioned that with Dave. To, to speak to your point too, I just want to say like, I, I watched a bunch of courses from other people. Oh, awesome. And, because I, like I said, performance is not my thing, right? So you guys have so much, and the instructors are great, like, like awesome. Like it's yeah. really, so you just never tool to learn. That's, that's for sure. Okay. But I love but, that too. But like, I, I've loved it and I, I'm going to check out other stuff too. Like I'd like to get into Blender and then I know I am offering that now. Which we have a course on that with uh, Mark yeah. Masters, I believe. Um, so yeah. It's some great. cool stuff. Like, yeah. I'm going to keep learning until I die probably. Yeah, I, I love that's, that. That's my goal. <laughs> And that's one of the things, honestly, um, okay. So kind of a funny thing you mentioned kids, right. And they're in their twenties, you know, we're in our forties, but one of the things I do love about our industry is the ability to, to do it for a long time. Yeah. But also as you're talking about here, just to continue to learn and grow. Um, I, I, it definitely never gets boring. (laughs) It doesn't. There's so much stuff. Like, I feel like I never reached my peak as an animator. And then I started supervising and I felt like mm. that was a reset. You're starting from, there's a, it's a totally different skill set. Well, not totally different, but there's a lot of different skills. So I started from scratch again and I had to build my way up. And now I've been supervising for, I guess, seven years. Wow. So I feel more comfortable now than I did seven years ago. Right, right. But I still never reached my peak artistically as an animator. And I mm-hmm. definitely haven't reached my peak as a soup. So I have no idea where it's going to go. But yeah, you just keep learning and, and you learn from everybody. Like yeah. we all say this, but it's true. It is. Yeah. There are, there are things that seem, things. Yeah. there are things that Probably. sound like cliche, but they're, they're said over and over again because they're true. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are some of the things that you enjoy outside of animation? Obviously you've mentioned your family. Besides game, yeah. Besides games, um, uh-huh. which I, I'm still an avid gamer. I'm not shy. I don't care. Um, um, Any favorite games right now you're playing? Oh, God of War. It's okay. okay. It's okay. It's good. It's good. Good to have really worked on it. Um, uh, God of War is the game I play now, but uh, outside of mostly family stuff, um, like I'm out of shape, but we still like to get outside a lot. Like I love winter activities more okay. than summer. Okay. Um, so I love like, you know, skiing and tobogganing and a bunch of like nonsense. Awesome. I haven't skated in like 10 years, but I'm going to start doing that again. It's kind of like I'm redis. I had a, a very good youth as far as activity. Uh-huh. And then I unfortunately was one of those people that went all into sitting in a chair all day okay. in front of a screen. So now with my son, it's been, he's almost six now. So I've been starting to wake up a little bit and starting to get back into kind of my roots, I would call it. That's awesome, man. No, that's, <laughs> so that's great. That's kind of more what's happening to me now. Very cool. A little more active, luckily. Okay. <laughs> I swear, like I could sit here, I, I, I sit on my computer sometimes all day, or I, I have traditionally, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. Eight in the morning, eight at night, I've been mm-hmm. there the whole day almost. Yeah. No, taking care of your body, Take. I, I think it's also it's just yeah. for the, your mind too. I love that ability. And I feel like when I come and sit back down, I feel like, okay, I've done something. Freshed. Right. Yeah. I, I try my best to, once I do stop working for the day, with the exception of the odd video game, I try to stop screens. I try to stop a lot of stuff every nice. day. Nice. I disconnect, I turn my phone off. Like I just I completely disconnect from my world. Uh-huh. That, that's helped me a lot mentally. It's just the physical part I have to work on now. Gotcha. <laughs> to get back into shape. So, yeah. I'm sure your little guy will help you, uh, yeah, will help you with that. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it is getting cold there in Montreal, isn't it? It is. Yeah. There's snow outside. Oh, it's, wow. Uh, it's okay. So skiing is a big one. I haven't done that in years. Um, I suck. And- I suck at all of it. Okay. 
but you get out and do it. So, hey. Yeah, we're gonna we, we did it a little bit. We're gonna do more this because uh, there's already some fake snow up north. Uh huh. So we're gonna go out a little bit. Yeah. Nice. How's the uh, the pricing on that? Is it pretty affordable in Montreal? Yeah, skiing, yeah for a day is like. Um, oh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but last year was what was it, seventy, a hundred bucks or something like that. I can't okay. remember what it was. It's. I don't know if that's expensive or not, but that's what gotcha. it is here. Gotcha, gotcha. But like, you, but you have to rent. I'm talking about renting equipment. Renting well. everything, all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty right. good. That's awesome. That's awesome. If he gets into it, we'll do it more. <clears throat> there you go. <laughs> well, Marco, um, I really appreciate your time. I don't want to take too much more. I really appreciate the podcast. It's been great to be able to finally get a hold of you and talk with you. Yeah. Um, like I said, well overdue, but I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for all you do for iAnimate and. Uh, Again, Thank appreciate you your for time. Having, for iAnimate being a thing. Like, just thanks for having me, and it's been great. Awesome, man. All right. Well, with that, we are out.